Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Last year, I rode the most kilometres I've ridden in more than a decade, and a fair portion of it was in the garage on Zwift. Mainly because it's fun, the bonus was I got fitter in the process. Zwift had me connected with friends from all over the world who I hadn't ridden with for ages. Friends from Dubai, London, Wellington, Perth, Sydney, even friends in Melbourne, all on the same ride. It also got my competitive spirit going, so I made the most of the structured workouts in an effort to get the better of my mates on our weekly meetups. The biggest debate often been where to ride. My favourite's the Champs-Élysées, dreaming about winning the final stage of the tour, the Watopia Mountain Loop, I love the one up to the radio tower, and the RGV course in France, simply because it feels really fast. And I'm enjoying exploring the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, uh, let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is, of course, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I am pretty good. Thank you very much. What a good set. What a great second stage we've had. You know the worst thing about it, though? If I feel like every day we go on here, I'm going to miss France. I'm going to miss Europe. And I was, I was thinking of mussels earlier this evening. I was just like, I want, I want mussels. We're in Brittany. I was looking at the coastline. Anyway, that's all right. It's all good. I'll get over it. Don't worry about it. I'll get you some muscles here. We can get muscles here, but I'm with you on this. I think it's getting harder by the day uh, when we see uh, how, how festive the whole Tour de France uh, as well is. But what a spectacle we are today. Stage two of the Tour de France. We have a second yellow jersey and none of less than Mathieu Wonderpool. We've been waiting for this. We've been expecting this. Uh, it was very emotional for Mathieu Wonderpool who won that stage. It's win-win for you, isn't it? Because... You know your your um your 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 bromance with Alaphilippe that that was perfect yesterday. You couldn't have asked for better. And then today, you love Pupu. You you love Raymond Poulidor. You love the history of cycling, as I do. And being a Frenchman and the grandfather, uh, the late grandfather of Mathieu Van der Poel. This is and you know jokes aside, this is actually it's like the perfect script for ASO, isn't it? I, f- I think when they drew the map, uh, that's pretty much what they would have planned. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe Van der Poel on the first one and Alaphilippe on the second one. This could have probably uh, been interchangeable. But uh, realistically, this is the perfect script. You're absolutely right. And and in a in a slightly serious note, it's it's actually not bad for Alaphilippe. This is you know if he if he ends up having general classification ambitions, this is actually good. Lose the jersey. Lose it. Don't don't get the jersey for another six days for Alaphilippe. You know, maybe not even in the TT. He loses it to Roglic or Pogacar. This is not bad for Alaphilippe. He can, you know, when it when was it two years ago when he actually wore the yellow for a total of ten days, that takes its toll. Then Alaphilippe, he actually he's actually really good. Gives plenty of time to the press, to the to the fans. Eventually, that wears down on anyone. It doesn't matter how good they are. Absolutely. Right, let's talk about the man of the day, uh, Mathieu Van der Poel. We were expecting so much from him uh, and didn't deliver on stage one, but uh, yesterday on stage two. Uh, I mean, seriously, uh, when we saw him going on Mur de Bretagne for the first time, you and I were most surprised. But then we very quickly understood that the time bonus could definitely play for him. 
Well, it caught us all. It caught even Keno, Robbie and Bridie. I think we, when we attacked, we thought he was attacking for the stage win when he was actually just being super smart, just super strategic. And we realised that when he crossed that line and he, and he sort of started to ease up when he went across the line. But what he showed is he showed, you know, yes, stage one, the crashes caught him out and he got caught behind one of the crashes or he was involved in one and it cost him energy. But he showed uh, on the Murder Britannia that he's a class above actually because he went full gas first time, full gas second time. You know, Nato Quintana attacked. Richie Port actually did a brilliant lead out for his teammates. But Vanderpol just had – he had more in the – he had that much more in the tank than anyone else. I wonder how many uh, sort of grandfather, father, uh, grandson – you know, would have won stages at the Tour de France. And we need to look into this. Is there some sort of hierarchy? Because we're talking three generations here and Pulido won some stages at the Tour. His father probably win. I think Adrien Van der Poel won some stages, I think, at the Tour. And now he's a Tour de France stage winner as well. So that's that's more than just the yellow jersey. That's already quite a legacy. It is, it is, isn't it? And I was just quickly thinking, I mean... In modern era, or you know, since I've been alive, I can only think of sort of father son. So, say Stephen Roach, Nicholas Roach, and I don't think Nick, Nico Roach has won a stage of the tour, but even just Grand Tour success, he has. Um, yeah, I, I reckon. I don't know. I can only think of father son, Matty Keenan. We're we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to have to go to Keno, I think, um, throughout this race to to see what we can dig up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you look at the whole shape of this stage, we knew it was going to be, uh, and you predicted it, uh, a breakaway that would just go straight away. And then the peloton was probably going to ease up a little bit. I didn't expect them to ease up that much because we're recording this podcast mega late uh, because it went relatively slowly. Didn't, didn't you think? It did. It did. It surprised me. I'm with you. Um, once that break got established, I think there were some battle wounds from yesterday. I mean, let's face it, there was probably 60 to 70 riders in total that crashed yesterday. So I just think there was this little bit of a sort of truce amongst the peloton. Once the break got established, fine, now we can ride tempo. They didn't completely dawdle along, but they certainly um, backed the tempo off. And, uh, yeah, not happy, Jan, because we're, you know, guys, we've got some deadlines and um, you've made us, um, you know, work through the evening. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the Aussies as well in in all this uh, before we move on. Uh, Michael Matthews uh, was there up until a certain point, and then he cracked. What what do you make of that performance? Because we we were you know expecting him, half expecting him to do something today. He was there first time over, so I was thinking, okay, he's going to be good. And look, un unless we hear otherwise, I haven't heard, but I think he's just it was just too much for him. We saw, we saw GC guys, really, at the four. And again, I'll just preface uh, Richie Port. I thought he did a brilliant job for Garrett Thomas. Richie is now fully settled into domestique role. He lost that two minutes 20. Originally, he was here as a domestique. And I think what happened to him on stage one, not that he was happy with it, but now he's, he's happy to play that domestique role and he played it really well. Jack Haig was good. Lost a couple of positions, but that's irrelevant. What he what he hasn't lost is a lot of time. So Jack's looking really good. Still waiting to see where Ben O'Connor ended up. 
But look, otherwise, good day for the Aussies. I think we should be pretty happy and proud of their efforts. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stages to roll on here. So I think so far they're looking pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we look at the GC as well, uh, look who's just behind um, Mathieu van der Poel is Alaphilippe. But you've got Pogacar and, and of course, Roglic are there. They, they're very, very close uh, on the GC overall. Uh Clearly, we think this is where the battle is going to happen, but Pogacar is quite impressive, though. The Pog is, you know, he he is looking as good as he ever has, um, as good as he was last year, and if not, better, which is scary, isn't it? I mean, so, you know, you've got Vanderpol at the top, just to recap, Alaphilippe at eight seconds, the Pog at 13, Roglic at 14. So there's, again, we are seeing this duel between them. I'll tell you who also looks good, and we haven't mentioned him much, Vilko Kelderman, the Dutchman for Bora Hansgrower. He's at 24 seconds. So watch him, and he comes into this race with really good form. Tell you who else, he's, a, he's like an old war horse. Volker Molema, he's at 26 seconds. And then Sergio Higuita for EF Education. So there's some... There's some really uh, good guys with good form there. And David Godou, the other Frenchman for Group Armour FDJ. So that's the GC. It's already beginning to take shape. You've noticed that we haven't mentioned uh, Wood van Aert. Uh, Wood van Aert has been a, a bit of a surprise today because he finished relatively far where we... I mean, we said it in this podcast yesterday. We thought he would be battling it for the win. Uh, but where was Wood Van Aert? Well, can I just firstly say, am I allowed to say I'm pissed off? Yes, because you are. Get away with that. <laughs> I'm a little bit pissed off. I've said it a second time. Because he's, even the old man, Valverde, beat him. You got, Valver you got the dregs. You were last tip today because you won, you won um, stage one. Um, you picked Valverde and I think you've beaten me because I picked Walt Van Aert and I thought he – I picked him to win and I genuinely thought he could win the stage. So he's let me down. Even though he's had his appendix out, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. Come on, mate. <laughs> but joke aside, do you think that's played a little bit on his, on his form? Uh, what, getting his appendix out or uh, getting his appendix out? Yeah. yeah, look, no, totally it has. It's – I think I – think, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty serious, it's a semi-serious operation to have. So, yeah, I think he's maybe just lacking a little bit. Look, maybe he played the role today for Roglic and maybe he's gone all in to set Roglic up. And, uh, you know, we were focusing on Vanderpol when he attacked and so we'll have to go back and relook at the tapes. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a little bit surprised. But you said the form, the form was there, he became a Belgian champion. So he was good enough to beat uh, a lot of good riders, you know. And we're talking uh, Evenepoel in the championship. Uh, so he's, he's carrying the the shoulders of the of the Belgium champion. So he's all right. But so, are you surprised of what you're seeing today? Yeah, well, you make a good point. That's it. it it's um, it is surprising. So we'll we'll soon see. I think, I think. Look, it's not going to be the first time we'll be surprised in this race. I think we're going to see some capitulations. We're going to see. Some guys delivering at the top end, which we might not have expected. So, no, no, it's day two and there's already so many things that have happened. So, no, nothing will surprise us really. 
any other uh, things to mention from that stage? I mean, uh, realistically, it was a pretty boring stage for a long part of uh, of the day. And then we always knew that Mur de Bretagne would deliver. So it's sort of, they got a bit of a jiggy with it uh, to, towards, the, towards the end of the stage. But uh, is there anything else you want to mention on, the, on that particular stage? Oh, I think we should give a bit of kudos to Simon Clark um, making the breakaway. Uh, good to see Clark in there. I think he crashed in the break. I missed it, but... He, he had some skin off and he was messing around with his shoes. So poor old Clark, he's had a crash. Um, no, look, I think the two times up delivered. Uh, we had great, hey, great to have Cadell Evans on the live coverage as well, celebrating the 10-year anniversary. Cadell picked Matthews too, so uh-oh, you bombed out there a little bit, uh, Cadell. But no, look, I think all in all, I think not much else to mention. Still, still seeing who of the GC guys lost a bit of ground. Carapaz was there. He was 30 seconds off Vanderpoel, so he's in the mix. Michael Woods, I think, had a reasonable stage as well. So, But he, he lost a chunk of time on stage one. So, no, I think, I think it's starting to take shape, and now we look forward to the sprint stages. Absolutely, uh, Brittany. We are halfway through the, the journey in Brittany. Uh, before we move on about uh, what's coming up uh, tonight uh, for you on on uh, on the, the live stage, uh, good to see Chris Froome as well finishing the stage as well. Good to see him starting the stage. First of all, we had a very big doubt of him starting that stage. Uh, it's it's, so, it's then we we will say this all the way through the Tour de France, but it's good to see Chris Froome on the road. Uh, it's Totally, I'm so happy he made the um, he made the start line. It, I think I think it was the first time up Murder Britannia he was getting dropped. He'll make the cut. He'll survive. It's I think the next you know four or five days for Chris Froome is just going to be about survival. He'll he'll carry some serious wounds and the bruising and all that will come out. But I'm I'm already starting to think he's going to battle on. All things we know, there's nothing broken. So he'll get through. And I actually think Chris Room can win a stage in this year's race. And I think that should be the big goal for him. And if he does, that'll be a victory in itself. You know, he's won stages, he's won four tours. But a stage win would be just awesome to see. And, and I know it's long-term thinking, but I think that should be the goal for him. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, hopefully he stays straight on the bike as well. So it's not he hasn't got any dramas going uh, against him. Uh, halfway through the the, the 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 route in Brittany, so far Brittany has been has been fun. There's been rain today uh, on on this stage as well. Uh, now you mentioned we are entering a new phase in the racing because the next two stage, we'll talk about the stage coming up tonight on SBS. Uh, it's going to be a sprinter stage, and then after that, there's a time trial. Um, how does that sh- like? Someone like Van der Poel today wearing yellow jersey, it actually means he could carry this jersey at least tomorrow, save it tomorrow, and then we don't know what he can do in the in a time trial. Yeah, I think he can hold it for the next couple of days. So two flat stages, um, I think he can hold it. And actually, let's let's just consider: Are we going to see the yellow jersey trying to sprint as well on this sprint stage? We can't discount that. We've got Tim Merlier, but I think he, he I think he crashed on stage one. So I'm not sure where their sprinters are. Philipson as well as on that squad, the Belgian. But Vanderpol, he, he's a bit like Van Art. He's as quick as Wout Van Art, isn't he? So and Van Art won two flat stages last year. So we can't discount that Vanderpol will not win 
while in yellow on a flat stage. And everything to me points to that that he could. I want to see Caleb win in a biased, uh, you know, opinion, but we, we can't discount that Va- uh, Vanderpoel could win on the flat as well. Absolutely. So that stage tonight, what, what are you looking for? Uh, of course, Caleb uh, would be a, a major uh, favourite. There's also Michael Matthews. Can, can he do something like this? Uh, where, where do you see the, the sprint going? I think there's three talking points. And there, there's three talking points from a you know, perspective of, yep, the sprinters and then, and then the, the media, if you like. So the first talking point, I think, is Caleb for, for, for the Australian perspective and the fact that in a straight-line sprint at the moment, you can argue that Caleb is the quickest in the world. So it's Caleb. Then is it the battle with Mark Cavendish? What can the Cav do? He, he's, the most, he's the most prolific sprinter of the last, what, three decades, 30 stage wins ever since, I guess, the Merckx era, if you like. 30 stage wins. Can Cavendish step up to the plate? Has he got it? Can he be anywhere near there? De Koenig are going to back him in big time. We know that. He's pro- possibly going to have the best lead-out train. Especially now they lost the yellow jersey. Yeah, that's right. So they'll, they'll, they'll put everything into it. And um, with Michael Murku, you know, arguably the best lead-out man, uh, you know, this is going to be super interesting. And then that battle that I just said, the yellow jersey, will we see Matthew van der Poel get the better of not only those two guys but everyone else so I think they're the three talking points for this sprint stage and you know and there's when I talk about Caleb Ewan there's a whole host of other sprinters Matthews Sagan Colbrelli of course you know all and Colbrelli incidentally he was pretty good on Murder Britannia he pulled the trigger a bit too soon didn't he so I think Colbrelli is in great form I think he can potentially win as well One person we haven't uh, mentioned is Formolo because we were watching the, the race together and you just went, look, let me bring this to you. But uh, the way Formolo races, he, you just got excited, but not in a good way. You just got pissed off again, shall we say? <laughs> oh, I don't think I should say the same words. I'm going, to t- I'm going to tone it down ever so slightly. Look, Formolo is a great rider and I, and I, I rate him as, a, as an athlete, but he doesn't use his brain. And he, 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 he followed the attack at the base of the climb the second time when he didn't need to. It, it was a, like a crazy attack and it wasn't going to go anywhere. Formolo followed him. Remember, Formolo was on the squad of Pogaccia. He should have waited. And that was when Richie was on the front. Don't take my word for it, folks. Go back, watch the tapes the second time up and you'll see what I mean. Formolo effectively achieved nothing. He followed the attack and then he couldn't help sort of Pogaccia you know, in, in that last sort of kilometre. Whereas if he didn't follow the attack, he probably could have helped a bit more. So they just need to try and, as a team, they need to now sort of look at what Formula did and go, okay, mate, you don't get carried away. You don't have to follow these crazy attacks on the running, especially on these hilly stages. Just look to where your team leader is, focus on him and let him talk to you through the, to, through the mouthpiece. You know, and if he wants you to go, fine, go. If he wants you to sit back and, you know, assess the situation, just listen. So, yeah, Formolo needs to just tone it down a little bit. Okay, before we, uh, we conclude this podcast, a couple of other learnings from the stage today. I don't think too much. I think, 
I think I think we've we've just about touched on it all. I think the observations are number one, the defending champion is in tip top shape, and Roglic is in tip top shape. So the two guys that fought, battled it out last year on La Planche de Belfi, they're both looking as good as ever. Um, we should get excited about Jack Haig. Two days in, two tough stages, and he's holding his position. So we should be super excited about Jack Haig, um, and and excited about. Not only a top 10 overall, um, but maybe beyond that. And that's all I'll say. And that's all we, should, we shouldn't we should get any more excited about that. And then who else can deliver? Can Julian Alaphilippe, can he, can he deliver more than what, he, what we've seen him do? And what I mean by that is, can he challenge for a podium position? And should French cycling get excited about David Gaudou, for example, as well? So I think they're the, I think they're the main talking points at the moment. Absolutely. Thank you for coming uh, today on, on the podcast again on a day where uh, history was made because uh, another Vanderpool slash Polydor put their name or put its name uh, to uh, to the palmarès of uh, the Tour de France. Thank you for coming, Maka. Thank you. It's a nice bit of history, isn't it? We, I think this is the, the bits of cycling that we love and it doesn't matter what nationality, the, the, the tradition continues. Yeah, shame he's not French, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to the podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, tomorrow, same place, same time. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When I walk into the commentary box and Matthew Vanderpool is on the start list, I know I'm going to have some fun. And when it comes to doing an interview, there are none better than Tour de France winner Garant Thomas. Like many of the riders at the Tour, both of them use Zwift as part of their training. They've even done a few races on Zwift, and you can too. There are races for all levels with new events starting every five minutes, and thanks to the massive online community, there's always someone to line up against. Choose from a group ride, a road race, test yourself in an individual time trial, or dive into the Fun Is Fast series across the duration of the TDF for a real mix of events. I've had a lot of fun doing some of the races and gotten a real sense of accomplishment completing some of the Grand Fondos, particularly the long ones. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.